0: You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Rutledge. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Good morning, family. How you doing? I heard like, uh, good. That's what I heard. I don't know if you meant for me to hear that, but I did hear that. So, um, man, well, it's good to see you guys this morning, second Sunday of 23, um, I'm, I'm dubbing this the Michael Jordan year. Um, <laughs> His number is 23 if you don't know. Um, and uh, man, good to be in the house of God with you guys, but I mean, I, I love this, this building, this facility, but more than anything, I love to be with you guys because it's when we're together that I truly, I, I believe that the spirit of God begins to move and it 's more than um, it 's more than a song it 's more than a word it's it 's more than a prayer it 's us united together in praise of god yes. and uh, I was just back there laughing as Ricardo was speaking I, maybe you, maybe you saw me giggling or whatever, but he basically stole my message <laughs> um, we don't we don 't talk uh, about stuff like that beforehand, but um but I mean, not stole, but like just there's, um, there's definitely some connections, and I don't think that they're um, just by coincidence. <laughs> I think the Lord has something in store for us today. And so, um, man, I, I want to just uh, start out this morning by just being honest with you guys. We were going to start a sermon series this morning. Uh, that we the teaching team has been talking about for a long time, like months and months and months. We've been talking about this thing, and um, and you know what? I uh, I had some some hesitation from the Lord going into this series. It was going to be, it, it is going to be a really good series. I believe we're going to come back to it at, at some point. But um, it, it's all about. It was just like a deep dive into being a disciple. Of Jesus, and I really believe that that's something that we need, and and I believe that the Lord is on it. But I believe um, more than anything right now that the timing just wasn't right, and so I'm just going to confess this morning that, um, I you know I had some hesitation in my heart of launching that series this this Sunday, and um, and then we did something unique last week that we've never done before as a church. We uh, we used. This um, prayer tool called the Examine, and what we did was uh, we set aside some time. The first Sunday of the year seemed like such a beautiful time to open up our gathering for worship and prayer individually and for each other, and communion. And we used this tool called the Examine, and I believe that there are still some uh, of the papers at the info booth, and if there's not, I'll, I'll, I'll grab you some if you want one, but this is a really impactful tool, and um, the examine is designed for a quiet moment of reflection with God, and, uh, and that's what we did in our gathering, was we created space, we created space to encounter Jesus, we, we created some space, and now you're like, now isn't that the goal every week that, that we do here at church, is you know, gathering, and, and, and it is a goal that we try to do, and sometimes, uh, you know, some Sundays we're better at it than others, but last week we literally just opened up space to encounter Jesus through intimate worship and silence, there wasn't, a, there wasn't somebody up here praying the whole time. There wasn't somebody reading scripture the whole time. There was a moment where we asked God to speak to us about the year that had passed individually. And we just created the space, right? And um, and personally, I felt the Holy Spirit moving in the room while we were silent, and when we began to pray for each other, and Jess was leading some just piano quiet, real quiet worship, and it was so beautiful, and, and there was just a presence of encounter in the room with God, and I, I had a lot of people after Sunday throughout the week tell me that they felt the same thing, they felt a presence. They they it impacted them deeply, and so I went to the. I felt the same thing, and I was like, I went back to the teaching team, and I was like, guys, I think it's time to put this this plan that we have on hold because I believe that the timing is not right, and God is on something different right now, and so that's what we're doing this morning. Is we're going to talk about um, this morning. We're going to talk about space to encounter, space to encounter, and, uh, and that's really what we want here at the mission more than anything, is we want to create space for you to encounter Jesus and grow as his apprentice, right? Uh, I, you know, you might think that a powerful, that the, like, the powerful experience that we had last week was all set up by this prayer tool that we used, but I think the power of God's presence came because we decided to make space for it. We we decided to make space with our time and with our silence. Now, silence isn't something that lots of people think of when they think of prayer, because lots of people think prayer is talking, right? Talking to God, right? Right? I saw a quote this week. I'm going to attempt to find it super fast because it fits so well. Um, Ronald Rollheiser defines prayer. This is so cool. I heard this this week and just was blown away. He said this. He defines prayer as relaxing into God's presence. Relaxing into God's presence, and a a famous commentator of the Gospel of John says that the best translation of the word "believe" is to relax. And so, I just I think that there is something to when we create space for God to speak, for God to move. There is something about it. And so when, when we think of prayer, lots of times we think of praying for God to move in certain situations and, and for um, you know things that we need, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But it is a powerful um, position of the heart to just be present with God and allow him to speak. And so um, we're going to be on this, on this encounter journey for a little while, and we're going to talk about different things. We're going to talk about hearing God's voice. We're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about uh, these things that um, you know, people have labeled disciplines, and I like to think of them as practices, Because discipline isn't something that I like very much. Um, (laughs) I definitely didn't like it in school, that's for sure. Um, And so, um, but I think the power of God's presence came last week because we decided to make space for it with our time and our silence. We made space for God to do whatever He wanted to do in this time, and we made space to encounter Jesus. Now, you know, like like I said, that's the goal every Sunday is we want you to come here and experience the love of a family who who, does not judge you in any way, shape, or form, the unconditional love of family, and we want you to encounter Jesus. That's what we want every single week here. And and I would say, um, yes, we... Uh, that's a goal that we have and we try to do it. And, and, you know, encountering Jesus, I think, has a lot to do, like I said, with how, you, how present you are in your mind and heart. How present you are in your mind and heart. Let's face it, guys. Like, in the day and age we live in, we as human beings um, are more distracted and busier in our minds and elsewhere than we ever have been before. Like literally, like you can be in church, right? Right here in church, listening to the message and shopping at Target at the same time. I've seen it happen, right? I've seen it. Y'all don't think I can see your phones. I can't see your phones. No, I can't. I'm just kidding. You can be on, you can be anywhere you want to be Mentally and in your heart, other than where you are, so how present you are in your mind and in your heart is, is, the, is the key to encountering Jesus. Presence, encountering. And so uh, you know not all of the technology is bad. like I love the you know having the Bible on my phone and like I you know like. Target pickup is awesome. Like I don't ever have to go inside Target again. Like that's awesome. Like, you know, um but I do think that we can be so distracted in our minds and hearts that that we miss opportunities when God wants to speak to us. And uh and and you know, I'm not talking about Specifically talking about reading your Bible in the morning with your, with your cup of coffee, like, that's awesome. Like, I, I, think, I think studying the Word, obviously, is, is a beautiful thing, and we have to do it. And I actually, like, have this quote that on my door, you know, like, pastor's offices have, usually have fancy quotes and stuff. So I have one that says, mornings are for coffee and contemplation. And it's from Chief Hopper of Stranger Things. Um, but, but it's so true. Like I, there's not, like, I love, like, a good cup of coffee and getting into the Word. And, and, but, I, but I'm not necessarily talking about that. But I think it's awesome and you should keep doing it. I'm not talking about verbally praying and going down your prayer request list of uh, things that you want God to do and move in. Uh, which is not bad at all, I want you to keep doing that too because it's vital and he wants us to do it, right? But sometimes in the busy hurry of being productive with our time, we can forget to leave space for God to speak to us. Because we think, oh, I gotta, I gotta absorb this this chapter in the Bible, I have to extract everything I can from it. I have to be productive. I have to gain as a Christian, and I and I'm saying like, there's nothing wrong with absorbing the word. There's nothing wrong with absorbing the word. There's nothing wrong with listing your prayer request in ways that you know um, that uh, that you want God to move and in right. But here's the thing: If Ricardo and I are friends, which you are, you're my friend, one of my best friends, right? No, (laughs) whoa, what's this? Like, come on, that that hurt. That hurt a little. Um, But I do all the talking in our relationship. How good of friends are we? Who has a friend like that? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) Whose friend like that is in the room? No, I'm just kidding. but how good of a relationship do we have if I do all the talking, right? Sometimes we have to create space in a healthy relationship for the other to speak, and I think that that definitely applies to our relationship with God. And, and here's the thing is, like, God still does speak today. He speaks today today. You know, um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer is one of my heroes, and he said this, We begin the day in silence because God should have the first word. We end the day in silence because God should have the last word. I love that quote because it got me thinking about what is the first word on my lips, In the morning, and what is the last thing on my mind before I go to sleep? Lots of times it was Instagram, right? Who's any any other guilty parties? Like right? Like I just want to turn my brain off, right? I just want to stop thinking about stuff, consume uh, some pictures of a puppy and then go to sleep. Like that's what I want. Right. But here's the thing is like, I, I heard, I, I heard this recently is that there was a neurological study done that said recent, it, it was, um, I'm trying to, this is an off the cuff thing. Sorry. Um, there was a neurological study done that the most important um, moments for your neural pathway are the, things that you, the thing that you give attention to first thing when you wake up and right before you go to sleep. Those are the most important moments for your neural pathways. And so Dietrich Bonhoeffer knew that long ago right? Long ago. He didn't need a neurological study for that. He said the first uh, word, we begin the day in silence because God should have the first word, and we end the day in silence because God should have the last word. So good. So good. And, and you know, um, we were talking about scripture. Hebrews 14, 12 through 13 says this in the, in the NIV. It says this, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. Joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And I love that scripture. I love it. But here's the thing is for a long time, I thought this was this, this was exclusively referring to the scriptures. I thought that this was exclusively referring to the scriptures. It says, for the word of God is alive and active, right? Active. John 1, 1 through 5 says this, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The word, Jesus... Jesus is referred to the Word all, as the Word all throughout Scripture. And you'll see that, you know, lots of people have studied the Bible who aren't Christians, right? You can know the Bible and not be a Jesus follower. You can know the Bible and, not, uh, and, and it not mean anything to you. But it's because Jesus, because of an encounter with Jesus, that will open the scriptures to your mind. An encounter with Jesus will open the scriptures and give them life, right? And so we need to create space to encounter Jesus. And I just briefly want to walk you through this this one particular couple's encounter with Jesus. Now... We're jumping from Christian to post-resurrection, so that's a long jump. There was a lot of stuff that happened between there, but this is uh, we're going to go to Luke 24, beginning at verse 13, and I'm reading from the NIV. There, I'm going to just set it up a little bit. Um, Jesus, the Son of God, came, healed the sick taught many things to his disciples and followers, went to the cross for our sins. He lived a perfect, sinless life and died an agonizing sinner's death on the cross. And he took our sins to the cross with him so that we might be in right relationship with God again. And on the third day, people went to dress his body in the tomb And his body wasn't there. His body wasn't there. And he appeared to uh, a few different people. And so this couple is about to encounter Jesus, but they're not going to know it. They're not going to know it right away. So Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35, it says this. What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, um, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? What things, he asked. Jesus is being cheeky there, by the way. and what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb earlier this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels and who, uh, who said he was alive. Then some of your companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. And he said to them, how foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses, this is important, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. But they don't know it's Jesus. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembling them, assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and he has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. So a couple things with this passage. This is a, this is a really famous uh, story and lots of theologians have different opinions about the story. And, but right off the bat, the thing that stuck out to me right away is that they were kept from recognizing Jesus. They were kept from recognizing Jesus. They couldn't, they couldn't see Jesus with their own eyes, just like we couldn't see Jesus with our own eyes right now. We can see him move. We can be in his presence but we, we don't physically see him face to face, right? They were kept from recognizing Jesus. And yet, there was something about him. There was something about this man. And they said, like, are you the only person in Jerusalem who doesn't know what they just did to Jesus of Nazareth, who, who was supposed to be the Messiah, but it's the third day, and we haven't seen him yet, right? Right? And Jesus says, like, I don't think Jesus is is, is shaming these people. He says, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. He's calling out their their faith. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and and then enter his glory? He's saying, like, the prophets spoke that this was going to happen, and 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 beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. See, these people, this couple, recognized something about this man, and they would have known the scriptures. They would have known Parts, at least parts, if not all of the scriptures at that time, and, and, there, and yet there was something new about the situation. It says, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over, so he went to stay with them. The couple recognized something different in this moment, and they made the choice to not let this man go on without them. They made the choice to invite him into their space, invite them into their space. They made the choice uh, to make space to encounter more of this man, right, and This couple, like I said, would have known the Scriptures, and yet this encounter with Jesus opened the Scriptures to their mind in a new way. Verse 30 says this, When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them, and then their eyes were opened. They recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. And this right here, 32, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? See, the reason why I was laughing when Ricardo was speaking is not because he's funny looking, but because... The still, small voice. Were not our hearts burning within us when he spoke? Elijah heard, you know, there was an earthquake, fire, wind. But what does the Bible say about each one of those? He was not in the wind. He was not in the fire. He was not in the earthquake. But the still, small voice. God spoke to Moses in a tent like a friend. See, repeatedly throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus going off alone, making space to be with God. Not just right before he goes to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, but throughout the Gospels. Jesus goes away to be with God. When people talk about encountering Jesus, lots of people think it has to be some dramatic event like Paul's encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road. This is the same resurrected Jesus that Paul encounters way later. And Paul gets blinded and stays blind for three days. and has to be led around by people, right? But more often than not, Lots of times, people think these encounters with Jesus have to be dramatic, and more often than not, God encounters us in the still, small voice that leaves us with the feeling, we're not our hearts burning within us. I think lots of times, here's the problem, is lots of times, we are just too busy. We are just too busy. Preoccupied. We are just too distracted to recognize the still small voice. Are we willing to create space in our lives to encounter Jesus? Because that's what we did last week in our gathering, was we just made space. And Jesus met us in a powerful way. Are we willing to be still and not just speak, but listen? Are we willing to create space to be unproductive with God? I know unproductive is a dirty word to some of you. But allowing God to speak and making space to encounter Jesus might be the most productive thing you ever do in your life in the sense that when God speaks and moves, things change, right? So I want to invite the worship team up. Um, But I wanted to share with you... Something, you know, kind of personal. Um, uh, you know, lots of. I, I, I feel like sometimes when we, you know, even if, even especially when um, people are already believers in Jesus, like I feel like lots of times they feel like an encounter with Jesus has to be dramatic or full of flair, rather than in stillness and in quietness. Like some of the closest times I've ever felt to God is driving. <laughs> Long drive, no music, the sound of the road, and that's it. Those are some of the most potent times I've had with God. And I would encourage you to evaluate your process, your Um, Mornings, your evenings, what is the first thing that gets your attention in the morning? And what is the last thing that gets your attention before you go to sleep? I would invite you to evaluate your quiet times with God. Is it about being productive or is it about being with God? Right? So my story of coming to faith, for those of you that don't know, I, I'm from Columbus, Ohio. I lived there till I was 18. Go Buckeyes. And, um, and uh, I grew up in church my whole life. It was like I was born, and then the next week I was in church, right? And, and uh, I grew up in church my whole life. I was in many embarrassing um church plays. Um, And uh, I was in Sunday school class all the time, and uh, it was a Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday night affair. That was church for us. And anybody else do that? Yeah, that's right. And um, and, uh, like, I loved the family aspect of church, but I didn't really connect with God there. I really felt like, I saw, um, especially as I got older, I kind of hardened my heart towards God because I had seen some hypocrisy in Christians, not necessarily at the church, but just in general. And, and uh, you know, so I grew up in Sunday school. I knew the Bible, like I could quote scripture, I could say the Lord's prayer from memory, you know, all these things, but it just didn't mean anything to me like there was there there was no impact and so I'm 18 living in Ohio working at a nonprofit and my life is a mess like really a mess and I have this realization that if I stay where I am right now I'm going to be able to predict the outcome my life is going to have and uh I made the choice that I was just going to take a risk and drop everything, and I was going to move out to California from Ohio, right? Woo! And um, so I was like, San Diego sounds good. Let's let's maybe try there. And so I flew out to San Diego. I had some... Um, uh, some family in Fallbrook, and so I stayed with them and went into San Diego several days, looked for job leads and stuff like that, and found nothing, also discovered it's very expensive to live in San Diego, and so, like, um, so, you know, I I was really just in this moment of despair, like Ricardo was talking about, like, I was in the desert place, and I didn't know it, because I wasn't a believer. I, I was not... Uh, you know, I, like I said, I knew the Bible, and I knew about Jesus, but it just didn't mean anything to me, and on this trip, while I was out here, my cousin and I, it was, um, it was a rainy, gloomy day, and we went to Oceanside to go to the beach, and just like hang out, and I hadn't been to the, to the actual ocean yet. I had been to San Diego, but I hadn't like really gone over there to the water or anything, and so my cousin and I go to the, go to the beach in Oceanside, and uh, we for whatever reason, we separated. Like, she kind of went her own way, and I went my own way. And I found myself at the end of this rock jetty. Um, it was just like a long-gathering pathway of rocks. I'm, you guys are from here, so I'm sure you probably know. I didn't know that's what it was called. But um, <laughs> uh, I'm at the end of this rock jetty, and I'm sitting there, and I didn't know it at the time. I, w- I thought I was just asking questions but I could tell um, that there was something more to it than questions in the moment. And I, and I know now, I, I, was, I was talking to God. I was talking to God, and I just said, like, Lord, I, I didn't say Lord. I was like, what am I gonna do with my life? Like, I, I don't know where to go from here. And I, I was just saying these things and just like totally just down in the dumps and felt depressed and like almost hopeless. And then like, I kid you guys not, out of nowhere, the water started to grow. Like it started to move. It was relatively calm when I went out there and then all of a sudden I'm at the end of this long rock jetty and the water is really churning, you know? And the Lord gives me this vision of a hand just stirring up the sea. His mighty hand just like churning it up. And I felt Jesus in that moment didn't say a word. All I had was this vision. And I immediately knew that not only God was real, but Jesus loved me more than I could ever know. It wasn't a dramatic moment, like the churning of the water sounds a little dramatic, but like no lightning went across the sky or anything like that. I, the God just gave me this vision, and I knew in my heart because my heart burned within me, and I was quiet enough to feel it. And that moment changed the trajectory of my life. Because that night I went home and I called a friend and she led me to the Lord over the phone. And I haven't looked back since. And my wife and I have just tried to keep saying yes to God. And sometimes it's been painful and costly but it's been worth it. And so I encourage you, evaluate your relationship with God and make some space to not just read the word, not just say words, but to encounter the word, the word Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for this family. Lord, I thank you that you're closer than a brother. I thank you that you are not only Savior, but you are a friend. Lord, that you pray on behalf of us to the Father. I thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit to live within us, and around us. And Father I pray. That we would open ourselves up to you. And give, a, give you our yes. By being quiet before you. And listening for your still small voice. Noticing when you're moving. And choosing to make space to encounter that movement, to encounter you in that movement. Father, we open up this time to do, for you to do whatever you want to do. Lord, speak to us. Guide us as we sing your praises and lift up your holy name, may you be honored in this place. We love you. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray and all God's people said, amen. Amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com. We'll